um, January challenge, uh, we, we kicked this off January the 1st, and here's the awesome thing about the Proverbs challenge, is that you can begin today. There's, there's 31 days in the month, there's 31 chapters of Proverbs, and some of you, uh, at times, we, we're discouraged when we don't begin at the very beginning, but here's the great thing about Proverbs, is you can start today, it is January the 8th, which means we're in chapter, isn't that beautiful, like how easy that is? So you can read Proverbs chapter 8 today, highlight or underline just one verse that pops out at you, and then tomorrow, chapter 9, then chapter 10, and then, I don't know if you knew this, February 1st, you can start back and get the ones that you missed. It's awesome. It's awesome how it's lined up. So uh, it's a great time to jump into God's Word. We really want to encourage you to do that. Um, One of the ones that jumped out at me this week uh, was from... Uh, I think it was on Wednesday the 3rd, the or Tuesday the 3rd. Um, do we have that one? Do I have that one in there? Oh, yeah. Do not withhold good from those who deserve it when it's in your power to help them. That's a great proverb. It's a great little statement. So that was the one I wrote down um, on, on the 3rd. Do not withhold good from those. And then the great thing about these journals, now this one is not my writing journal, so my writing journal is actually at home because if I hold this up and you're going to go, you didn't write anything in your journal, Matt. My writing journal's at home, but what's so great about the way this is laid out, the journal is laid out, is you can go back at the end of the week and see all the ones that jumped out at you, and it's such an easy way to, to have the, the cliff note version, or the Matt note version, or the Jeff note version, or the Derek note version, whatever version you have, you just write down, okay, these are free, grab one on your way out if you don't have a journal yet, and jump in. All right, I got to tell you, so... Favorite movie of the, of the year? Um, I don't know that I had like a favorite. Uh, Joe mentioned to me, he was like, didn't you like Maverick? And I was like, yeah, I liked Maverick. That was a good one. And Robin, when we watched that movie, when we went and watched that movie, it was from the very beginning with the music. Dun, 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 dun. And she was like, oh my gosh, it takes me back, you know? And uh, the storyline of Maverick is um, impossible. So anyway, <laughs> I'll tell you, I, I want to tell you a real story uh, as briefly as I can. It's a crazy story. It's about my Uncle Tom. Um, We all have a crazy Uncle Tom. I have a crazy Uncle Tommy and Aunt Kim, and they got married in Delaware, where my Aunt Kim uh, was born and raised. And so they got married in Delaware, and my mom and her brother, uh, Tom, were born in Florida, in Lakeland, Florida, and then she grew up in Fort Myers, Florida, if you know where that is. And so Uh, Tom and Kim got married in Delaware, and then they were going to make their way, drive down uh, kind of the coast, and end up in Florida, where they were going to set up their new life together. And they thought, oh, that's where we'll live, we'll kind of spend our lives there. Well, as they're driving down the coast, uh, they got into a little bit of an accident in Hendersonville, North Carolina, so right outside of Asheville, North Carolina. And... um, They got into this accident, and apparently there's a story behind the accident that my Uncle Tom hasn't shared with me yet. One day he's going to share it with me. Uncle Tom, if you're watching, (laughs) give me a call and uh, let me know what happened with the accident. So he gets into this accident, and he didn't have money, the money to pay for the repairs for his car or the lady that he hit. And so he decided that the right thing to do was to set up shop in Hendersonville, North Carolina, work 
until he could pay off the repairs for her car, fix his truck, so that they could continue their journey. Well, one thing led to another, and Uncle Tommy and Aunt Kim lived in Hendersonville for years and years and years. He became the captain of the fire department in Hendersonville, North Carolina. And I feel like they should, somebody should make a movie about his life because they just stopped and lived there the rest of their lives. Now, they, a couple years ago, they bought a little lake house and retired to this little lake house, not in Hendersonville, just outside of Hendersonville. But they've lived there their whole lives. Is that an incredible story? Um, they just got in a wreck. He felt like the right thing to do was to stay, not to run from the trouble that he was in, and work it off. And he did it, and it changed the entire trajectory of his life. It's, it's interesting how the decisions that we make, whether big or small, how those decisions begin to shape the direction, the quality, and the story of our lives. Little decisions. I made a little decision uh, when I was in high school that I, I, I wanted to play college football. And um, none of the big schools uh, offered me scholarships because I wasn't any good. And <laughs> I had a dream to play at a big school and um, I, I went and visited Anderson University, this little small school in Indiana. And uh, I, I sat down with the coach, and the coach said, Matt, I'm going I'm to be honest with you. You might get a scholarship offer from a bigger school than us. And uh, what, what I can tell you is you're not good enough to play there. You'll, you'll sit on the bench for three years, maybe play special teams in your fourth year, and you'll give your life to the football program. And he said, if you come here, it's a small school, uh, you can start playing next year. You can play all four years, and our practices are done at 6 o'clock, so you can have a life outside of football, and you'll have a free education. And I was like, that's so encouraging that you just told me I'm not good enough to play at a bigger school. <laughs> and I said, that makes sense to me, to have my education paid for, to play a game that I love to play. And so I went to Anderson University, and I met Robin Anderson, and that change the trajectory of my life. Isn't it interesting to look back and to think on how little decisions we make, whether big or small, can change the entire course of our life and our history? What if we can make better decisions? What if we can make better decisions? What if we had the ability to, to, to make better decisions so that we had fewer regrets in life? And this entire series is built around a book that Andy Stanley wrote called Better Decisions, Fewer Regrets. And what he says is that better questions almost always lead to better decisions. And it's why if you ever go to counseling, and listen, I am one who would say go to counseling. Going to counseling is a good thing. Whether it is counseling for relationships, for emotions, Going to counseling for finances, having a financial advisor in your life is a good thing. Like these are good things. And here's why is because those counselors or advisors know the right questions to ask. You know, this happens anytime you go to the doctor. The doctor says, How are you feeling? And the doc and you say, Well, it hurts. And he says, Well, when does it hurt? And you're like, When when I get out of bed. I don't know why, what'd you do? I don't know, I got out of bed, it hurts. Don't get out of bed anymore. 
doctors begin to ask questions that get at the heart of the matter. Counselors help you to ask the best kind of questions. Better questions almost always lead to better decisions, which will lead you to fewer regrets in life. Now, there are all kinds of challenges to this, and this is what we're going to dig into in the series. Bottom line, decisions that we make, especially the big decisions of life or the key decisions of life, the decisions will determine, your decisions in life are going to determine the direction of your life. These, these four little areas, I think, are key to remember. They're going to they're gonna determine the direction of your life, but not just that, the decisions that you're making, and sometimes we feel like these decisions don't actually matter, they are shaping the character of our soul. The decisions that you make and the decisions that I make, especially key decisions, are shaping our character. And the quality of our relationships are impacted by the decisions that we're making. And I'm, I'm gonna get to this a little bit later, but sometimes we think we, th- there are private decisions that we can, we can make that won't have public impact, but the reality is even the private decisions that you think you're making often become public. Huh? And so when you have this illusion that I can make this decision and it doesn't really impact anyone because no one will ever really know that I'm making this decision, the reality is most of the time those private decisions become public and they have implications beyond what you think. The quality of your relationships is one of those. But then your decisions will determine the lasting story of your life. And that's what we're going to kind of zero in on today. Now, decisions are difficult for a number of reasons. Some of this is, if you were here last week or if you got to check it out online, some of this is review. But this is why decisions are difficult. Um, Many of us have decision fatigue in life right now. We're in, we're in a stage of life or we're in a moment of life, especially over the last three years where it feels like we've just made too many decisions. And how many of you are like, I just don't want to make another decision. I, just tell me what to do. Come on, be honest. You ha- you're in that. Decision fatigue. And you just, you don't want to make another decision. You just want someone to give you the answers. And you're like, Matt, um, just tell me what to do. And maybe I'll do it. Maybe I won't. I don't know. But I don't want to make the decision. Some of us have this fear of mistakes or regrets. And so it paralyzes us from making decisions. So we withhold from making the right decision because we, we're paralyzed by that fear. Others of us, we, and, and I'm going to get into this a little bit today, these temporary emotions cloud wisdom. We, we're caught in a moment where we have some emotional response in our life. And we make a decision based on emotion rather than based on wisdom, and that can come back to haunt us. Uh, Decisions are difficult because we have this desire. Many of us uh, are wired in a way that we just want people around us to be happy. Um, Do we have any, uh, don't raise your hand, but do we have any codependent people in the room? And you just want the people around you to be happy and you don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. My wife is a nine on the Enneagram, and she just wants everything to be peaceful. You know what I mean? So she can see every side to every conflict. She goes, oh, I understand that. I'm like, yeah, but that's wrong. And she's like, yeah, but I can understand. I can see that perspective. And I'm like, that's not helpful. Like, we got to make a decision here. And then um, number, I'm so thankful for her perspective to be able to do that. Um, And then number five, and, and this is one of the things I hope every person takes away from this series is to take some time during this month to set some priorities in your life to say these are the most important things going forward in my life. 
And these priorities will help me make the most important decisions in life. So to prioritize some things, to say this is what I value, this is in this season of life, this is what is most important, so this will shape the decisions um, that I make. Does that make sense? All right, so uh, Jesus, I'm gonna come back again and again to this, this question that Jesus asks, and I'm gonna ask it of you. What good is it to gain the entire world and lose your soul in the process? And, and listen, this is how many of us, and, and I'm included in this, I'm, I'm not saying you, I'm saying us. We as humans, one of the ways we make decisions is very self-centered, what's in it for me? What am I gonna gain from this? And what Jesus questions is, what good is it if you're making decisions if you, to, to gain the entire world, but you lose your soul, and even with that, you lose relationships in the process. And some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. What good is it to gain the entire world, everything you think you want, but to lose the people who are most important to you? What good is that? It's no good. And so it's important to, to, to put in our minds some priorities to, to, to say these are the most important things, to prioritize relationships above possessions, for example, not to prioritize possessions above relationships, because if you prioritize possessions above relationships, you sacrifice what will be there at the end of time. Possessions come and go. Is there amen in the room? Something? Possessions come and go. Money comes and goes. But people will be there for the extent of our lives. Um, so what I want to talk about is I want to talk about legacy. And I realize that when I say the word legacy, many of the younger uh, people in the room maybe roll our eyes. Um, I'm going to include myself in that. See how I did that? Maybe we roll our eyes and we're like, oh, this is, this is for other people. It's not really for me. Listen, I think the, the conversation around legacy and, and how we make decisions based on legacy could really be a game changer for everyone. So I'm going to invite you, even if you're... Uh, you, you, you might have the, the impulse to just kind of go, oh, this is for someone else, for you just to kind of lean in just for a few minutes, and I'm going to work through this um, fairly quickly, and, and I want to I I ask some, I think, difficult questions on, on legacy and help us ask the right question so that when we make decisions, we have in mind a longer, uh, a longer view than just what's right in front of us. Because what we learn over time is that usually decisions that we think have no consequence because they're right here, they actually have great consequence in the long run. Come on, right? Okay, so legacy, it's interesting. If you look up legacy in the dictionary, the first thing it talks about is finances. Your legacy is what you leave to the people. Isn't that interesting that that's what our world thinks of as legacy? Listen, here's what legacy is, and I think this is scriptural, that legacy is the enduring story and the impact of a life. And every person in this room will have a legacy. You've got a legacy. It's coming. You will have an enduring story, and you will have an impact, positive or negative, on the people around you. It's going to be there. You're going to have a legacy. Now listen, our story is built around a series of outcomes connected to the many decisions that we're making. I want you to see where, where this comes from. We are making decisions that have outcomes which actually build the story of our lives. Many of us are under the illusion 
that when our decisions are responses to other people's actions or built around circumstances, that, that, that really we're locked into the decisions that we make, that we don't have a choice. And it's not true. You have a decision and I have a decision regardless of the circumstances that we find ourselves in. And our story is being writ written whether or, or not we like it, even when the decisions we have to make are responses to the actions or the circumstances we can't control. Does that make sense? You're gonna have a legacy. There are gonna be things in your life that happen to you. There are things in my life happening to me that I have no control over. What I have control over is the decisions I'm making and the direction of my life. And so I have to make clear decisions. Um, here's the question of the day. This is, this is the question. If we could, in moments of decision, especially big decisions, if we could pause and ask this question, here it is, what story do I want to tell? What story do I want to tell? Um, if you could in your mind fast forward to a point in the future, some of you um, maybe even in the, in the present, a, a, a moment in which you had grandchildren and you were laying in bed with your grandchildren before they fell asleep at night and they asked you to tell them the story of your life, what story do you want to tell? What would you hide from them? What lies would you tell? I was a much better football player <laughs> in that story than was the reality. So if we could pause in, in moments of key decisions, and I'm gonna give you an example here in just a few minutes, but if we could pause and ask the question, what story do I, do I want to tell? Um, I, I think it would help us make better decisions and have fewer regrets in life. The difficulty is we get wrapped up in emotion, in the moment, right in front of us, and it keeps us from making good decisions. Um, Christine Kane, author, speaker, um, she says this, that you get to decide the legacy you'll leave. You get to decide it. You, you'll get to decide the, the legacy that you, don't miss that, like you get to decide. It's not gonna be someone else's decision. You get to decide the legacy that you lead. So choose wisely the decisions that you're making. Now, Paul was an author. Uh, he was a church planter, a follower of Jesus, one of the very first Christians. And he started these churches, and then he would often write letters. He had a young apprentice named Timothy, and one of the uh, letters that we have is from near the end of his life. And he writes this letter to Timothy and he's writing to Timothy, and he says, he says this. He knows the end of his life is near. What a gift to know that you're coming to the end of, of your life so that you can speak some things into the people who mean the most to you. And so he's writing this letter to Timothy, and he says this. As for me, my life has already been poured out as an offering. Isn't that an interesting perspective? As he looked at his life, and he said, this is what, what, what's interesting to me is that Paul was known as one of the greatest persecutors of the earliest Christians. Did you know that? Like he was one of the ones who, who sought after Christians to persecute and put to death those who, who chose to follow Jesus because he thought they were on the wrong path. But when he got to the end of his life, he had made some decisions to, 
to be transformed. And then when he gets to the end of his life, his legacy isn't about the persecution that he caused, but rather that he poured out his life as an offering to God. Isn't that an interesting transformation? Which, which reminds me, it's never too late to make the right decision. Don't forget that. It's never too late. He says, the time of my death is near. I've fought the good fight. I have finished the race, and I have remained faithful. I love that phrase, I have remained faithful. Man, don't you hope you can say that? It got really quiet. Don't you hope you can say like if you have a chance to be able to write a letter or to speak to, to your loved ones, your grandkids, your kids at the very end to say, listen, I fought the good fight. My life has been poured out as offering. I've remained faithful and now the prize awaits me. So then he talks about like this vision of, of what's to come beyond death. And um, so, so why did Paul write this? He's, he's encouraging Timothy and this is maybe where some of the younger in the room who might have the tendency to kind of drift off and go, my legacy's a long way away. Um, I don't need to think about it yet. He's encouraging Timothy, this young pastor, and here's what he says to Timothy right before he writes this. He says, you should keep a clear mind in every situation. Now, this gets lost in this passage of Scripture. I'm gonna be honest with you. I've read this passage of Scripture uh, so many times um, but this has never jumped out at me like it has when we've been preparing for this series. The encouragement and the instruction from Paul the elder, the wise one who is facing his death, to the young one is keep a clear mind. Now only someone who has lived the course of life and, and been in the situations where he can be controlled by emotion and circumstances, only someone who's lived that could say with strong conviction, listen, I know you're gonna be tempted to act on emotion, but no, 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 don't. Keep a clear mind in every situation. Don't get lost in your emotion when you're making decisions. Let wisdom be your guide. And if that will be the case for your life, when you get to the end, you'll be able to say like me, I've remained faithful. I've kept the faith. I've been strong. Um, an example in scripture, and I'm not gonna read through the whole uh, story, I, I wanna encourage you to read it, is the story of Joseph. Do you remember the story of Joseph in the Old Testament in the book of, of Genesis at the very beginning of the Bible? Genesis 37 and on, go read it. It's a crazy story. Here's just a quick summary. Joseph was the favorite son. Doesn't seem fair. His brothers were really mad that he was the favorite son, so they decide to kill him, and then at the very last minute, they said, hey, we can make money off of this rather than just killing him, so let's sell him into slavery. So they do. They sell him into slavery. He finds himself in Egypt. Um, in Egypt, he... he he makes his way, he, he's a good man and makes good decisions and therefore Potiphar puts him in charge of his entire household. Like he, God honors his good decisions. He finds himself in this, this key position of authority in a foreign land. He thought he was just gonna be a slave his whole life and he's made his way to like this highest point. He's approached by his boss's wife numerous times. Now come on. It would be easy to say in a moment like this, look, God, 
I was sold into slavery, forgotten by my family. I found myself in a position where my boss's wife wants something from me. Nobody will know. It's not a big deal. It's not going to hurt anybody. It's behind the scenes. And do I even have the power to say no? Come on, this doesn't matter that much. Have you ever found yourself talking yourself into a really bad decision and convincing God that it was probably an okay decision to make? I mean, it's exactly what Joseph had this, he had this moment in his life. See, this is why you should read the Bible. It's like real life stuff. No one will know. It's just between me and her. No one has to know. This will not hurt anyone. Joseph made the right decision. He refused to sleep with her. He stood up and he said, why would I do that? He even told her, why would I do that? He's put me in charge of everything. Why would I take advantage of all the trust that he's given me? Why would I do that? He wanted to live a better story. Because of that, he was falsely accused, thrown into prison, forgotten in prison. And then later in his life, because God continues to honor the good decisions that he makes, he finds himself at like the highest point in which his brothers, oh, you got to read the story. I don't have enough time to tell you. His brothers are in a moment of famine in their land. They come to Egypt to get food because they hear there's food in Egypt. Guess who is in charge of the storehouse of food in Egypt? I mean, someone should make a, story, a movie about this story too. It's such a good story. He sees his brothers who are begging for food. He's in a position of revenge. And he deserves it, doesn't he? His brothers sold him. Some of you are like, yeah. His brothers sold him. They lied. They got rid of him. He deserved, they deserve what's coming to them. He should throw them in prison. And he freely gives. He freely gives. He forgives them, and he gets to the end of his life, and he said, look, what you meant to harm me, God used for good. Look at that perspective. That's a bigger perspective. That's a legacy kind of perspective. What story do you want to tell with your life? Now, I know sometimes we read Scripture and we go, what does that have to do with me? Listen, you and I are faced with decisions on a regular basis, and we think they're private decisions that won't impact anyone. Private decisions become public. Private decisions eventually come out. Um, Andy Stanley, I think he says it this way, yeah. Private decisions have public implications, perhaps generational implications. Our private decisions won't remain private. Our private decisions usually won't remain private. They're impacting someone, somewhere, and eventually they'll come out. So, um, in another passage, John, probably near the end of his life, is writing a couple of smaller letters near the end of the, the New Testament. And he says this, don't love the world or the things that it offers. So, when talking about priorities, here's what he says. For when you love this world, you don't have the love of the Father in you. For the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see, a pride in our achievements and our possessions. This world and all of those things, they're fading away. So I was thinking about this passage, and I was thinking to myself, what if my legacy, like what if people, you know, get to the end of my life, and um, we, we actually had a memorial service in here yesterday. 
And it was incredible to hear some stories of legacy from, from, from Terry. Um, and I was thinking, what if I got to the end of my life and people said of me, man, that Matt, he just did everything that felt good to him. I mean, physical pleasure, that, that's what he was after, and, and that's what he lived his life for physical pleasure. That's, man, what a life. How sad would that be? Man, Matt sacrificed everything to get all the toys he wanted to play with. His kids, you know, they got some of the, the fun perks, but they didn't know him because he worked so hard to get all the stuff that he thought would, would make him happy. Like, what if that was the story of my life? Man, that would be so sad if that's all that people could say of me, if that was my legacy, if my decisions, that, that was it. John says, look, this is, this is fading away. Uh, Billy Graham said the greatest legacy we could have has to do with character and faith. Like, that's, that's the heart. That's the best kind of legacy that you can, you can give and that you can choose. It has to do with who you are and the faith that you pass on. Now, real quick, two things that, that are stacked against us in decision-making. Here's the first one. Confirmation bias. So let's get into the, kind of the, some of the mental, the psych, psych, psychological framework of decision-making. Confirmation bias is the tendency to interpret any new information simply as support of my existing belief or theories. Confirmation bias says that once I've made up my mind, even if that is wrong, I have the tendency, and you have the tendency, to take all new evidence as simply supportive of what we already believe. That's confirmation bias. And it stacks some things against us when it comes to decision making. Does that make sense? Because we, we make a quick decision, and then we take all this new information as simply supporting what we, already, what we already believe. This is one of the reasons why in big trials, and you have a jury of your peers, they encourage the jury not to watch the news on any story that has impact on the decision that they're going to make when it comes to whether or not a person is guilty. Why? Because confirmation bias, if they make a quick decision, then they take everything just to support what they've already determined in their heart is, is what has happened. Does that make sense? The second thing is, Andy Stanley talks about in the book as well, focalism or anchoring. And this is where emotion kind of takes us to a certain place and locks us into decisions. We, we emotionally make decisions that, that create a, a difficult, it, it creates a difficult moment for us to step out of, outside of that and, and make a decision based on wisdom. Um, I learned this the hard way when I, first, when I first got out of college and I went to buy my first car. In that day, uh, the salespeople were taught, and I don't know if this is still true today, to not let the person leave the car lot. So if you were trading in a car, they would take your keys and they would not give those keys back to you. Now, Step back from that just for a second. Why do you think that is? Because emotionally, if you were locked into buying a car, it didn't really matter at the end of the day whether that was a wise decision for you or not. You were anchored in to that emotional response that you had, and so the salesperson was taught 
Don't let the person leave the lot. If that person leaves the lot, they are a lot less likely to buy that car at the end of the day. Does that make sense? I remember the first car I bought, and I was on that lot, and I, had, I was trading in a car that um, I had in high school, college, and I was like, I just want to go look at um, another car in another lot, and they would not give me the keys back. Now, if I was older, I would have got the keys back, but um, I didn't know what to do, and I ended up with that car. So um, we, we get locked into emotional responses and because of that, wisdom stays in the background. And that's, that stacks decision-making against us in some ways. It's why pushing pause and stepping back and asking some good questions can lead us to better decisions. Does that make sense? Um, so here's an example. And I'm almost done, I promise. I could talk all day about some of this. It's fascinating to me. I'm learning so much. I hope this is going to be a good journey for you as well. Um, and he, he writes this in his book. Your boss asks you to lie to a client. You're not a liar, but you lie because your boss asked you to. So, I mean, do you really have a, a choice? The client called you on it. Your boss threw you under the bus. You lost your job. Now, part of your story is that you lied and lost your job. The better story would have been you refused to lie and lost your job. Isn't that an interesting way to think about it? How do you make decisions? It's much better to make the right decision, even if the outcome is bad. Isn't that a better story to tell? I did the right thing, and I lost my job because I did the right thing. I can find another job. I can find another job. But I'm going to do the right thing because I want to tell a good story. So the legacy question, again, what story do you want to tell? And in your journals, uh, we, we have this question, so you can circle it, you can write it down. Here's the, the decision, the legacy decision. Um, I will decide a story I'm proud to tell, and I will not decide anything that makes me a liar for life. I, I won't make a decision that eventually I'm going to have to lie about, because I don't want to tell someone that decision that I made. Does that make sense? And like Paul, to be able to say, I fought the good fight, I finished the race, I remained faithful, I want to keep a clear mind in every situation. I don't want to get caught up with emotion. And I don't want to do something that I'm going to have to lie about later to my grandkids. I want to leave a good legacy. So here are the, here are the few questions for reflection, and then we're going to sing together uh, one last song. How does it feel, so I, I said this last week, the common denominator of all of our bad decisions is us. How does that feel? <laughs> That's an encouraging way to end our service together. <laughs> but we need to come to that realization that we're the common denominator of all of our bad decisions. And we can make better decisions. And one of the ways we can make better decisions is by asking better questions. What story do I want to tell? If you had to choose two or three wor words that would represent your legacy, what would they be? And are the decisions that you're making today amplifying those words? Does that make sense? So if you could pre-decide your legacy, what would it be? And how do the decisions that you're making today bring that into reality? And then number three, are there any decisions you need to make to redeem a mistake or a lie from your past? Is there anything, like as I've been talking through some of this, maybe um, 
God's spirit has been nudging in you, hey, you need to go back and make this right. Or you need to make a decision that could change the trajectory of this story. Just like Paul, who was persecuting Christians, Started, then started planting Christians. Just one decision to change the trajectory. Do, do you need to make a decision to re- redeem, restore something that you've done in the past that you need to kind of change path on? Now, that's, that could be difficult. That could be really challenging. The best stories are often difficult stories. Stories of redemption, which when I asked you about your favorite book or your favorite movie, Most of our our favorites have to do with some sort of powerful transformation that takes place in someone's life. Redemption, restoration, those are the best stories. And I want you to know, it's never too late to make a decision to do the next right thing. Like today, you can start making better decisions which will move your legacy in a better direction than where it is right now. Like it's never too late, it's never too late, it's never too late. Um, Yesterday, the service that we had, and um, Terry's daughter was sharing some things, and you know, when you get near the end of your life and when you know it's, it's coming, sometimes some of the bad decisions we make are the loudest voices in our head. And she continued to say to him, that's not your legacy. Your legacy is your family. I'm telling you, this is your legacy. How powerful is that? It's for someone around you to say, That's not, those bad decisions, those aren't your legacy. This is your legacy. You can help make that turn. You can help make that turn. And today, man, we're gonna take communion. And this, uh, I'm gonna give you time, don't worry. You don't have to pick it up right now. <laughs> um, this is the ultimate picture of God's grace and restoration for you and for me. It's awesome. Like this is a reminder that God can bring life out of death, that he can take the the horrible decisions that we made and he can bring good out of them. And so we're gonna sing the first part of this song and if you did not pick up communion elements, you can can pick them up and then we're gonna partake together. Um, We have some new communion cups this week and um, be sure to take the bread out first. <laughs> You're welcome. That's, that, is a, that is a better decision, so you will have fewer regrets when you open the juice. So I'm gonna ask you to stand with me. God, we're gonna turn our hearts and our minds towards the, the, the I think the most powerful story of redemption, restoration. God, you, you wanna redeem all of us. None of us are perfect. And communion reminds us of your great love for us. So God, don't don't let us miss that today as we turn back towards you. In Jesus' name.